Coming up on this episode of the Endpoint Zone, you can see Brad talk about uh, what he saw from some customer visits recently. Yeah, we're also going to be talking about what it means to move to a cloud cadence and how do you move to a cloud cadence and why should you move to a cloud cadence as you think about your endpoint management. And I'm going to show you some of the new features that we've released as a result of that cloud cadence. And I think I'm going to ask you some difficult data questions. Yeah, we're going to talk about the growth numbers in terms of Microsoft Endpoint Manager. Hello and welcome to the 2002 episode of The Endpoint Zone with Brad Anderson. Happy New Year, everybody. Actually, we yeah. didn't have a 2001. I was gone out of the office traveling most of the month. Yeah, you have been uh, out for a long time. In fact, I think this is actually the first time we've seen each other in person this no, year. you're right. Happy so, New Year, buddy. How yeah, you? Happy New Year. <laughs> it's, uh, it is, it's a great start to the New Year as well. We've got some really good information coming for you guys, um, some amazing releases, and uh, frankly, just some good little updates. But before we get there, I'd love to learn what you learned from those customer visits uh, that you went on. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I that I really try to do is every couple of months I'll get out and um, just out and just visit customers for you know three or four days somewhere in the world. It's kind of like speed dating. You know, you start about seven thirty in the morning with breakfast, hour by hour. You know, you're meeting with a different customer. You have dinner at night, then it seems like you fly to another city and rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> it's exhausting. It's exhilarating. But man, do you learn? And, oh yeah. And I think just trying to get out of the you know, out of Redmond, out of Seattle, and just kind of live in what customers are dealing with and just hear from them. It's, for me, it takes me back to my program manager roots, and it just is kind of core to how I learn. And, of course, in Canada, the poutine is great. Yeah, so, you know, one of the visits was Canada, and I feel like I am uh, um, fully indoctrinated now mm -hmm. as, as a Canadian. You know, you mentioned poutine. We had poutine one night about midnight, which, you know, in terms of being on the diet, I was so far off the wagon on that one. Turns out as well, Stop. when you have poutine at midnight, you have to prepay because they're afraid you're going to lose. You're, you're, you're going you're to leave the restaurant. That is it, a situation. It was either that or Ben, who was with me, looked a little shady. Yeah. Um, well, let me talk to you just about what I, what I learned there. And so literally over a three-day period in that particular trip, uh, met with about 20 different customers, one-on-one, -on -one, and then, you know, kind of a one-to-many, you know, like another 50. A mm -hmm. uh, couple things resonated, like this, everything, every, every, everyone I heard. Every organization is trying to simplify. Yeah. Um, like without exception, every single leader I met with came in and said, listen, w w we have to simplify. And we're going to talk more about this in this session. How do you get to a cloud cadence? How do you actually get the agility that you really need given all the demands that are being placed on IT organizations? And the only way to do that is to simplify. And so as a part of that, I, you know, I, it was also very, very clear that the definition of best of breed has changed. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, we've talked about it being changing over the last couple of years, but it has changed. And now you have individuals coming in and saying, listen, leaders, I need to move from this place that I'm at right now where I have 40 or 50 different products that I've tried to wire together to an integrated in ecosystem that is simpler, mm -hmm. more secure, and delivers a better user experience. And that was just everywhere. Every organization, every leader. Well, I take that back. There were a couple who, who, who didn't start there, but after, we had some, after we'd spent some time together, they, uh, they, they recognize how things have shifted, and I'll walk you through that in a minute. But that was the biggest takeaway. You know, every organization coming back and saying, how do, we, how do we just simplify? How do we get more agile? How do we get more secure and at the same time improve the user experience? You know, I think a lot of this has come because we've had a backdrop of an economy with a lot of growth for a number of years. And IT po IT's pocketbook has actually increased over that time. 
and spend on all of these different point systems to solve a different point solution mm -hmm. has got pretty out of control and now there's a need to simplify. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I think that was part of it and I think the way that we as an industry worked and the solutions, that was the only choice that customers had. Yeah. You know, and so we're going to talk a little bit about what's changed in just the last three years. And I think it's, it's just fascinating when you kind of just step back and ask yourself the question, what has changed in just the last three years? But I think individuals and organizations and leaders have made the right decisions over the last decade because that was the only choice they had. Mm -hmm. You know, they had to have these point products oh, yeah. in place and then they had to do all this work to try to wire it together. Uh, but let's spend a couple of minutes talking through about what has changed. Mm -hmm. And I think that helps to give everyone the context of why, why this definition of best of breed has changed as well. Yeah. And I think it really comes down to there's a couple of organizations on the planet now that have been able to put together these data sets that we can learn on at this incredible cloud scale. And at that incredible cloud scale, you get these insights that allow you to automate things as well as, you know, move a lot of the work that used to be done on the device up into the cloud and just do it in a much simpler way. And so we can just kind of flip to my screen here. Let's just spend a couple of minutes talking about this. And these are some of the core data sets that we're now able to operate on inside of Microsoft 365. And you know, these data sets did not exist mm -hmm. three or four years ago. Yeah. And so I think one of the core things for everyone to just recognize here is as we're talking about these, and you think about decisions that you or your organization has made over the last couple of years, <clears throat> hey, you guys, everyone did the right thing. But now let's talk about how it's changed. So let me kind of just go left to right on this because it's important to understand these data sets because these data sets are what we live, live in inside of Microsoft 365 and it really is what makes it unique. Yeah. So first of all, you know, we are servicing a little over 30 billion commercial authentications a day through Azure Active Directory. 30 billion. You know, Dang. like the first time I, I saw that number, you do the quick math, 30 mm -hmm. billion times 30 times, you're at 900 million. We're just about to cross the trillion authentications, commercial authentications per month that we service in Azure Active Directory. And you think about it, that is the authoritative source of commercial identity on the planet. No question. Yeah, that's huge. Okay, and so you think about that for a minute, you know, um, we see all the identity attacks, we see more than 50,000 commercial identities that are compromised every month, but that, you know, gives us a set of insights on identity that nobody else on the planet really has. Yeah. You then, it's interesting, couple that with the next uh, data point. There are 430 billion emails that come through our Office 365 um, email system. This isn't consumers, this is all commercial email. So think about that for a minute. We see all the phishing attacks. Mm -hmm. We can see an attack hacking happening in a part of the world. We can immediately apply that to, air, to the millions of customers that are using it. This is without a doubt the authoritative source on email and attacks on email and security on email for commercial organizations on the planet. Yeah. Okay, very interesting data set. The next two really go hand in hand. And so first of all, let's start with the 900 million. We, are, we now have 900 million Windows 10 devices on the planet that send back a you know, um, um, signal to us and so with that signal, we're able to, to learn at this incredible scale. You know, you think about it, we see every driver, we see every third-party application, we get a chance to see, you know, how all these devices are working. You see rootkits, and it just gives us this incredible broad view. Now, most of that is consumer and SMB. Mm -hmm. But then you couple that with 190 million devices that Microsoft Endpoint Manager manages, and that's Windows, iOS, Android, and Mac you now have the most authoritative source of commercial devices on the planet through Microsoft Endpoint Manager, and you're able to learn at that scale, which is you know, very much enterprise commercial focus, couple that with what we're able to learn from the 900 million, that becomes the authoritative source on the planet for device compliance, device configuration, mm -hmm. device performance, device trust. Yeah. And then finally, you know, we have 200 million monthly active users of Office 365. 
<clears throat> and that just gives us an incredible view of how, how organizations are working and, and how users interoperate. Now, each one of these data sets in and of itself is very unique. Mm -hmm. What's magical is when you bring all those data sets together and you now iterate and learn at the, at the intersection of identity and device and app. This is what makes Microsoft 365 so unique. We're able to look at all of this, um, all of this signal, learn from it, and of course, you know, trust is everything for us. And so we put this, this data to work on behalf of our customers and do it in a way that we're able to reflect back to them these insights that you could only get at this kind of a scale. And it's this intersection that is just incredibly, incredibly unique. And so you think about this for a minute and go, hmm, so how does this change how I as an IT leader or a security leader should be thinking about my management and my, and my security strategy? Mm -hmm. And it fundamentally changes because now these data sets are being put to work on your behalf and we're able to learn at this incredible scale across millions of organizations. And you see here, you know, billions of authentications, um, you know, 900 million devices. And it just enables us to do things and help you understand the right way and the best way to secure your organization, your users, your devices, your data, and at the same time deliver an incredible experience. Yeah, I kind of think about all of these numbers, and they're huge numbers. I kind of think about them as a, as the, as a satellite dish or the surface of a satellite dish. And in this space, the bigger the satellite dish, the stronger the signal that you get, and the more things you can pick up. That's it. That is literally what we're doing. We have a large surface area for telemetry, and then we're able to actually iterate on that, learn on that, draw conclusions from that, and put that to work for people. Yep. And I'll give you just an example of how we put this to work. You know, when everyone understands conditional access, we've talked a lot about conditional yeah. access over the years, but when access is requested to any data set, whether that's on-prem, in Microsoft's cloud, in a third-party cloud, we're able to do a real-time determination of the trust of the user, the trust of the device, the intersection of the two, mm -hmm. and then either grant access, challenge before you grant access, or block access based upon the rules that people put in place. Yeah. And it's fascinating. We're able to do that calculation in less than 200 milliseconds. For each authentication, we do it a billion times a day. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, that's one example. Another example, and this is one that, uh, you know, when, when I did this last set of customer visits, it just really resonated hard. Um, how you tie security and the IT teams together. Yeah. You know, and what we have found in this the solution called threat and vulnerability management is for these enterprise organizations, upwards of 30% of their PCs are still open and exploitable to known mm -hmm. exploits and known threats. Not zero day, but things that are already known. And so with Microsoft 365, we have this wonderful solution where we've captured up in the cloud the list of all the known threats and vulnerabilities on Windows and our, and our ISV partners apps. And then we just continually monitor your devices. And anytime we see that there are devices that are still open to known threats and, and, and exploits, it gets flagged inside of the security admin console. Mm -hmm. Now that in and of itself is magical. Yeah. Where it gets more magical now is how we connect IT and security. And so today what would happen in an organization if the security team sees a set of actions that need to be taken, it's communicated over to the desktop or the device management team through humans. They might open up a ticket, you know, but at the end of the day, it's somebody writing something down. Here's the payload that needs to be delivered. Here's the devices. Here's when I want it done. But it's humans, and it takes time, mm -hmm. and there are errors. Yeah. But with Microsoft 365, the, the, the security admin can say, I need this action to be taken. It literally is like one, one tap. Yeah. And cloud to cloud inside of Microsoft 365, it's communicated over to the, the endpoint manager. The endpoint manager can review what the request is, and it's one tap, accepts it, and everything is moving. That can happen in 30 seconds. Because it's cloud to cloud, there's no errors, there's no human mistakes, mm -hmm. and it's immediate. And that's just another example of how we bring it all together. The thing that I love about our solution here that is beautifully simple is that whilst there isn't any human 
mistakes that can occur, there is a human check that yes. has to occur. Yeah. And that is an important step in the process because it prevents the automation from doing something that you don't intend. And that drives up your ability to trust in the solution. And I think that puts to work the best of humans and the best of the cloud. Exactly. You have all these insights, all this automation, you then marry that with human judgment. Yeah. And so I think as you think about how we put um, AI to work, mm -hmm. you can think about how you marry the best of you know, the cloud of AI with the best of humans. Yeah. Now the other thing I wanted to touch base on here real fast um, was a conversation I had over and over again in, in these set of visits about how organizations need to shift their cadence to what I call a cloud cadence. Mm -hmm. you know, and so as I would talk with the endpoint managers and I would talk with the security teams, there was this constant frustration that it's hard for them to keep up or the challenges of keeping up is hard because they had all these moving parts. And so when I talk about cloud cadence, and this, this is something that's really important for everyone to understand, you know, the, when I say cloud cadence, you need to be able to take advantage of new capabilities as it comes out from your providers the day it comes out. Yes. And you know, historically, that's not been the way that organizations have worked. You know, if you go back to the on-prem days, if you will, we would put out a new version of Windows or a new version of Office. Everybody would wait for Service Pack 1. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now you're waiting nine months. And then it would get rolled out over a period of years. You know, in today's world, because all of us are accustomed to this immediate new value, this connected experience, you know, when a new version of iOS or a new version of Windows or Android comes out, users want to move to it. Mm -hmm. And only if you are on a cloud case that you can keep all of your infrastructure that enables an IT organization to enable these devices, can you keep up with it? And so when I talk about cloud cadence, it literally is the infrastructure that you are using to deliver the value to your users. Mm -hmm. Is it immediate? And can you take advantage of any new capability coming out from any of your providers the day it comes out? And if the answer is no, then you need to go back and take a look at your solution and figure out where your bottlenecks are. And so let me give you a, just a couple of examples. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, one of the things that I always ask when I sit down with an endpoint manager is how many agents do you have on your PCs today? Yep. Uh, and it varies, 20, you know. 20, we, 60. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you think about what it means from a cloud cadence perspective. If you have 20 agents on your PCs, every one of those agents has to be validated, mm -hmm. in some cases updated by the, the vendor or the provider, yeah. not only updated but certified. And so if you've got 20 agents sitting on your Windows PCs, there's no way for you to keep up with cloud case because every one of those has to be updated. Mm -hmm. And as slow as the most slow one is dictates when you can take advantage and upgrade. Yeah, and we actually come across this countless times with customers where they're desperate to move forward. They really want to, but there is some single agent that has not yet been certified and they don't move forward. Yeah, for months. For months. And this is one of the core values of Microsoft 365. It's all about simplifying that so you get the agents off of the devices. You're just leveraging what's built in. Yeah. Uh, and that's you know, ac across all the platforms. And then you leverage all that cloud intelligence, which we're continually updating. Yeah. And so what that enables you to do is you can move that infrastructure into a cloud case, so all your management, all of your security. Mm -hmm. uh, it's more secure. Yep. You're more agile. You're actually able to move to a cloud case, meaning you get value out to your users faster. <laughs> And you do it in a way that the organization is actually more secure and your users have a better experience. Oh, absolutely. I've actually spent most of this week um, talking to our um, field people, our ATSs, our sales engineers out that work with customers every day. And one of the things that's come back to me a lot is that they, they understand the need for modern management, but they don't truly understand what it is, yep. which is kind of fascinating. But actually, modern management is moving to a cloud cadence. It's having an endpoint that's always up to date 
And it's having the tooling, the management tooling, the endpoint manager always being up to date so that you can take advantage of all of the new stuff in the endpoint as soon as it's available. I think as a very simple frame, that works really well to describe modern management. And, and as you're thinking about getting to a cloud cadence, you literally have to think about every single piece of mm -hmm. software or agent or driver that has to be updated for you to take advantage of some new capability yeah. and look at it holistically you know, under your traditional, what's the long pole and start, start whittling that off. You know, the last time we got together and, and, and talked about, in the endpoint zone, we talked about the incredible benefits that we were seeing for users that have moved entirely to Microsoft 365. Yep. You know, an 85% reduction in boot time, a doubling of the battery mm -hmm. life. All of those things come as you move to a cloud cadence and you let more of the cloud do the work for you. Yeah. You know, again, it's more secure and your users have a better experience. They do, they really, really do, and it's proven. And so, um, <clears throat> with that, I think we wanted to talk a little bit about um, some of the new capabilities that have come out uh, in Microsoft Endpoint Manager. Yeah, it's funny you should say that. Over the course of the past few weeks, um, since we recorded the last Endpoint Zone, we've actually had two months worth of releases. And I, I was kind of preparing for the show, looking through, saying, what have we actually shipped? And it's really kind of amazing. Um, just, I, I always find our, uh, our What's New article to be interesting, because <laughs> Right at the very, very, very start of the article, we highlight how long it's going to take you to read. And we're currently standing at 35 minutes um, for the last couple of months of I don't know of if that's releases. a good thing or a bad thing. It's a lot of it's, read, but, but the good thing the good thing is there's a whole lot of new stuff. Oh, yeah, there's a whole lot of new stuff in there. Yeah. Um, we've got the company portal deployed for Surface Pro X now, which needed us to move to ARM64. It's got a different processor type. Um, we have inc incremental improvements for edge deployment. We've got the retirement of managed browser. Let me just make a comment on edge yeah. real fast. Um, man, you know, we released the new Edge across all the platforms on January 15th. Yeah. What an amazing response. And it's been it's just amazing how many people bring this up to me as I talk with customers around the world. With the new Edge, you get all of the compatibility, everything that you get with Chrome, mm -hmm. but you get the management security and privacy that Microsoft brings. Yeah. It, it is so the best of both worlds. You get the best. Uh, you get the best rendering. You get the best HTML. You get the best browser in terms of just being able to look at sites. Mm -hmm. But Microsoft's privacy, our security built in, our manageability built in, it really is the best of both worlds for every IT organization. It, it truly is. And actually, um, if we move it over to my uh, my demo here, one of the things that we've built into Endpoint Manager is easy, simple, but very comprehensive deployment for Edge, for Windows 10, and for Mac OS. Um, we'll just quickly run through the Windows 10 version of this. I'll select it. It automatically provides it with the deployment name, sets the, ca the productivity category for where we're going to deploy inside of the company portal, sets up the, the links and the URLs to fit view the privacy statements. Within the app settings, I get to choose which one of the three um, channels I'm going to use mm -hmm. for Edge. So in this case, I'm going to go with Stable, deploy it to my end users, automatically grabs the logo for me. Next, I can start selecting my scope tags. This is for role-based access control. It allows me to say who can make changes to this deployment with inside of my administrator group. I can set up my assignments, do my deployment. I hit next, review and create. It's gonna create that application inside of my organization and do the deployment all directly from the cloud. I don't have to go and get the binary. I don't have to upload it. I don't have to start deploying it. And then from a, um, a configuration point of view, if I, once I've got that app deployed, I'll ignore my work and not save it, it allows me to go and then um, set up a specific set of policies that are going to apply just to Edge so that we can then have a really simple configuration, really, really streamlined 
very simplified admin experience. Yeah, I think one of the things every organization should be looking at is how do you deploy Edge out as your as your default browser. Yeah. Um, and again, I just want to emphasize, it, you know, when people talk about Microsoft and they compare us to other of the giants in the industry, that concept of trust and the concept of privacy is core to who we are, and we're seen as being um, differentiated in that. Yeah. And so with the new Edge browser across all the platforms, you do get that built in. And, yeah. it's, and that's important, especially in, it's in your personal life and in your commercial, your business life. Mm -hmm. We're talking to business decision makers here. This is important. Yeah, it really, really is amazing. We have also produced a lot of work that was direct customer feedback. We have the ability for Win32 apps to restart, um, some changes for um, configuration of apps. We have a lot of changes around device configuration. Um, we've made some really specific changes that customers asked us for around device enrollment. Mm -hmm. um, something that we've added specifically based on customer feedback is the ability to create um, enrollment restrictions for specific platforms. Yep. Specifically, Android. And the reason for that is that there are some of our customers that would prefer not to have their employees bring differing types of devices into the organization that maybe they haven't got the trust in. And so they want to say, there are certain device types I don't want to have in. Mm -hmm. All they now have to do is go into um, device enrollment restrictions, and now they can just put in the, the name. So they would just put in OEM XYZ as the name, and now, once they click next on this policy, they wouldn't be able to enroll for Android for Work any OEM XYZ devices, mm -hmm. which is super helpful in some yeah, A good example of that is you know, sometimes users have bought a, a lower-end Android device that doesn't support encryption. Yeah. You know, encryption is just a core comp component of any security model. And so mm -hmm. just block it at the time of enrollment and help, help the user understand that they need to have a phone that can do that. Exactly. Really, really helpful set of capabilities that we provided that and desperately required by customers. Um, and you're only like 5% through that list. I know. It, I am, it's a very, <coughs> I'm trying to scroll through a little bit quicker and pick up some of the, the major things. S-MIME support for Outlook for yeah, iOS. This has, been, this, has been, this has been a long one coming. It's been a long one coming. Really, really big piece of work. Um, and I've actually been really closely connected to this, so um, it's, it's a piece that I'm so happy to see here. Um, some of the customers that I've been working with closely have been desperate for this functionality. I'll be, I'll be in Europe in May, and this has been the number one thing from a, a bunch of customers it, that I've been waiting for, so I can't wait to say, yes, it's here. It, it, it is here, and it's, it works. Um, I'll explain a little bit of the complexity around this problem as well. Um, so on iOS specifically, um, the capabilities of the platform don't allow us to um, use an MDM that is signed by a different vendor to the email application unless the email application is Apple. Meaning Intune can push a certificate for S-MIME down to the device for um, the Apple Mail application, Inbox, yeah. or it can push that down for the Outlook application, but it can't push it down to any non-Microsoft-based app, and vice versa. You can't have the Outlook application receive an S-MIME certificate from any vendor other than Microsoft, unless those two vendors happily shared source code, um, which nobody gonna is going to get into that situation. So we have to kind of engineer around the problem. So we've made it so that Outlook can receive an S-MIME certificate directly from Outlook. Um, and with that process, I literally go in, I create an app configuration policy um, for Outlook. I can do my configuration settings, set up kind of who's which usernames are going to be, configure whether they get certain things like focused inbox and biometrics and all of those things. I can also go and configure my S-MIME settings um, 
add my um, signing certificates, my um, kind of all of the, the required different things that I need to set for that. And then I can also set how um, things are going to get enrolled into SMIME. Um, and I can also say what types of certificates are going to be sent down to the user. I'll say next. Um, I'd have to enter some, some more details there. But that would then take me through the process and automate that um, deployment. We've come across quite a lot of customers in this process <laughs> that don't automate the deployment of their SMIME certificates. And they actually just email them to the user. Well, that's good and it's bad. If that one email gets into, into, uh, intercepted and they get hold of that certificate, whoever intercepts that email with the certificate can pretend to be that user, mm -hmm. which is not great. So automated cert provisioning is a very, very, very good idea for That's SMIME. probably the deepest we've ever, we've ever uh, you know, dove in, in the endpoint zone on a feature. I think it probably is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, was, uh, that was pretty deep. Uh, we've answered a lot of questions on it as well. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's been a long time coming, yeah. a long time coming. Um, the ability to do things, and I love this, to be able to uh, retrieve the recovery certificates from macOS devices. Mm -hmm. Basically, we're putting um, macOS encryption into the same kind of paradigm that we have for BitLocker encryption on Windows. Yep. Leveling the platform between the two as much as possible is one of those simplifications that you can provide with um, our amazing endpoint management. Um, we're back into the December timeframe, uh, and I'm only like literally halfway through the document, so there's a a lot of very good things that we've shipped. And that just shows you that cloud cadence that we've really delivered on. That's exactly a good example of yeah. it. All right, well, hey, you know, we should wrap up maybe talking a little bit about um, what we're seeing in terms of how we, how we measure our success through the lens of the customer. Exactly, yeah. How are we doing with making our customers successful? Yeah, you know, one of the questions um, when I talk with a lot of, you know, CXOs, a lot of um, a lot of them wanted to understand what Microsoft did to change our culture. You know, be be much more customer connected, customer obsessed, and really we we, we changed the whole um, incentive model to to focus on usage. And so, yeah. for example, you know, our fiscal year goes from July one to the end of July, so we're about halfway, through, a little over halfway through uh, the fiscal year. Mm -hmm. But all of the metrics that we have are all focused on our customers using our products. Yeah. And the way we look at Absolutely. it is, you know, if customers are using your products, that is the that is the ultimate definition of success. Mm -hmm. If customers are not, then you know, then you don't have the right product for whatever reason. Yeah. And so here we are, we're you know, we're in early February, so we're seven months into the twelve month, you know, fiscal year. Mm -hmm. And to kind of give you an idea of just the acceleration that we have seen in just the uh, the mobile device in the in the in the Intune component of Microsoft Endpoint Manager. We had a goal for the year to add 20 million devices. Mm -hmm. And that was yeah. a, a goal to add 20 million. Our starting point was 20 million. No, the, the starting point was bigger than 20 okay. million. Okay. Somewhere, okay. somewhere in, in a, in a, in a multi-million ball, ballpark. Yeah. And so the, the goal was to add 20 million. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to hit that goal in February. Wow. That's, so that's we, we will have added 20 million new devices in just eight months of the 12. Um, and it's just a such... It is so rewarding, um, you know, as an engineer to see people use what you build. Um, and for us, it really is the ultimate measure of are we delivering on what customers want us to. Yeah. I, um, there is no way that customers could use us to the extent that they use us without us delivering for them. And it's been one of the interesting things that I've been watching um, has just been the, the mix and where, and, and where the growth is coming from and what's growing. And by far, it's Windows that is growing now the fastest, you know, in terms of uh, cloud management, all cloud management, mm -hmm. not you know, not not necessarily co-management, but co-management, and then just Intune only for Windows. Um, not just in terms of the growth rate, you know, you 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 can make marketing numbers up to say whatever you want. You can say like, hey, it's growing 100%, but if it's going from a base of one, it doesn't matter. Yeah. In real numbers, 
Windows is now growing faster than any other platform in terms of the net new devices that come in every single week, mm-hmm. uh, which we add more than a million a week. Uh, it, it is it has really taken off, and that is Windows only from from the Intune component of Microsoft Endpoint Manager, as well as organizations that are using you know co-management, so using all of Microsoft Endpoint Manager on-prem and in the cloud. And so. What is it that you may think is making customers want to do co-management? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's actually not what I think I know because mm-hmm. because we, we, we see it. We've got the data. You know, it, it really is not you know taking what you've done on prem and then just replicating that in the cloud. Mm-hmm. It's taking advantage of the new capabilities that the cloud brings to your config manager deployment. So things like conditional access, more of the AI work that we're doing, and every organization is clear. You know, we've been really clear. All of the all is not the right statement. A lot. Of the new value that's going to come is going to be through the AI work that we do that brings all these insights. Mm-hmm. That's going to require that cloud connection. And so, you know, we we are we are clearly seeing that you know the IT leaders are recognizing that they need to have that cloud experience. That's the cloud cadence. Yeah. And so, man, it's just awesome to see just how fast it's growing. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is stunning to be watching the daily telemetry report, seeing that data coming in, just seeing our our uh, our growth, and to be part of a business that is growing. That quickly is is an amazing effect, and it's humbling. You know, it's humbling to um, just understand the the responsibility that we have, um, and it's just you know, as a, as a, as an engineer, you want I mean, you really want people to use what you build. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like it's like a part of who you are, mm-hmm. and so as we see this incredible growth, this incredible usage, it just um, it just makes our hearts full. Yeah, it really does. Thank you very much for uh, using Endpoint Manager, and thank you very much for watching this episode of the Endpoint Zone. We will see you the next time.